Big thank you to Mike for tea time, though. It's all time. It's time for all things football. Up next, though, it's extra time on River Radio. Good evening and welcome to River Radio. It's seven o'clock and time for the station's resident football show. Joining me tonight is our regular panel of Ben Green and Ed Tarleton. I'm Will Taylor, so let's kick off tonight's action. This week, the Premier League title race hots up ahead of the final day of the season. The relegation battle will also come into focus with three teams still in danger of the drop. And we'll also talk the Thames Valley as a playoff final beckons for Wickham Wanderers. All that and more to come on this week's Extra Time. Yes, good evening and welcome once again to the River Radio Football Show. After a week where the squad was heavily depleted due to injury, we're back fighting fit just in time for the end of the season. And what an end of the season it promises to be across English football and even a little bit closer to home, which we'll touch on very shortly. Joining me tonight, as I mentioned, are our regular panellists, Ben Green and Ed Tolson. But of course, we'd love to hear your thoughts on tonight's topics as well. You can get in touch with us, tweet us at River Radio Live or send an email to studio at river.radio. Radio. As I mentioned, it's a full squad here tonight. Ed, I was out with COVID last week, so I can only trust that your injury was just as bad. You were in such a bad state. I've got here that you hurt your thumb. I was, I mean, I was hospitalised, so, well, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll take that as, as validation that my injury was more more serious than, than you're implying. Um, I stabbed myself through the knuckles whilst trying to cut up an avocado. <sighs> so it had to be, you couldn't have lied and said apple, could you? It had to be an avocado. I am, yeah, and, and I've taken a lot of stick mainly for the fact I was eating an avocado, uh, to be honest. But I say that, I mean, that was the big casualty of the whole incident, because that never got eaten. No, yeah. In light, of what, in light of what happened. Um, so, well, they were for 10 an hour. It must be inflation and all that like, sort yeah, of stuff. Yeah, no, it was, it was bad. Like, really no, bad. It it I had to get surgery and went through an artery and through the nerve and there was an entry and exit. It was, yeah, it was uh, it was tasty. In all seriousness, though, you're okay now, which is the main thing. Right? I am indeed. Apart from all the stick I'm taking yeah. for it, yes, <laughs> I'm, I'm okay. Well, this show certainly is no exception <laughs> to that. Is it? Uh, you were also at both FA Cup finals as well, weren't you, mate? How were they? Yeah, they were great. They were great. I mean, you know, I, I do, and I never thought I'd hear myself say, this sentence I do feel for Chelsea a little bit to lose two finals and not concede a goal is Mm. is pretty harsh but as a Chelsea fan said to me you can't afford to not take your chances against a team like Liverpool mm. and, and they were guilty of that in, in both of the, the Carabao Cup final back in February and the FA Cup final. The atmosphere was absolutely tremendous. I mean, it was a full house for uh, the men's FA Cup final on the Saturday. On the Sunday, we broke the record for the women's as well. Awesome. 49,000. So over 100,000 people came through the day, through the gates over the, the course of the, of the two days. And, and I know that it doesn't perhaps harbour the same special feeling that it did maybe 20, 25 years ago, 
but you get inside and your team's got a chance potentially of, of lifting a trophy yeah. and and that whole thing of well is it, it does it mean the same goes completely out the window both sets of fans are really giving it some Liverpool particularly I must yeah. say Liverpool are just something else in terms of their fans and their support um, and yeah it was a it was a great weekend and the first time ever that they've been held on the same weekend as yeah well. I mean I was so sure that Chelsea won though I don't, because Tuchel said in his pre-match interview we're wearing yellow we won't lose so I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm convinced Chelsea won it I, I'm not quite sure what happened at the end there um, but obviously big congratulations to uh, to both Chelsea women and and Liverpool on those FA Cup wins Ben speaking of Wembley mate you're, you're heading there on Saturday aren't you Wickham in the playoff final I mean obviously the listeners can't see what you look like mate but you're a bag of nerves here aren't you oh well, yeah not surprisingly Will uh, <laughs> uh, yeah incredibly nervous but also excited to see Wickham at Wembley again I haven't seen the Chairboys there since 2015 and I have to say that final ended terribly so I'm hoping yeah. this goes slightly better well yeah I mean it was obviously the last time in in the middle of the coronavirus lockdown meant you were unable yeah. to see a team promoted so um, hopefully you'll have a bit more luck we'll touch on that a little bit later anyway um, but before that it's obviously time to unpack this week's hot topics as the final weekend of the Premier League season beckons with lots to play for at both ends of the table as we mentioned last week saw Liverpool lift the FA Cup as they took another the step towards the, the unprecedented quadruple, whilst current Premier League champions Manchester City face West Ham at the London Stadium. Jared Bowen put the Irons 2-0 up in that game before City fought back to salvage a point, but blew the chance to collect all three, and Riyad Mahrez missed a penalty. That now gives Liverpool a chance to seal a domestic treble of the trophies ahead of their Champions League final with Madrid on Sunday. Before we get stuck into exactly what could happen on Sunday, Ed obviously caught up with River Radio's MD and Liverpool fan Sam Setti, and started out by asking him about their FA Cup win on Sunday. I think, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes, we were amazing. We didn't score. That's That was my big worry. Um, I guess as a Liverpool fan, the worst thing in the world could have been to lose to Chelsea, lose to Real Madrid, lose the league, and then the season would have ended on with, we just won the League Cup, right? That's a damn squid. Um, as it's turned out, you know, we've got two cups now. I think... You know, I feel confident enough to say we'll get the Champions League. That's, you know, never say uh, until it's done. But, you know, just the fact we can still say that we had it on the last day of the season, still a chance. What more could you ask for? Well, whatever happens in the Premier League, it's certainly still been a great season for Liverpool. When you reflect on it, has it gone better than you even expected it might? Better, yeah. I mean, first team to ever reach three finals in a season. You know, we thought come... The AFCON in January with Mosar and Mane away and Naby, we were going to lose everything. And look, you know, we've brought on great players like Diaz. You know, we know that the league is probably Man City's. But yeah, as a Liverpool fan, we're just riding the wave now. We're just having fun. I mean, the team is certainly one of the most enjoyable to watch. Something I am interested in is this dichotomy there seems to be among fans as to the preference of Premier League versus Champions League. You say that you think that the Premier League is probably going to Man City, but if you had to pick between those two trophies, which would you prefer to win? Uh, If I had to choose between the two, I'd won the league. And the reason is that Man United have 21, we have 20. We want to level them up and we want to knock them off their perch and uh, put Sir Alex back in his box, really. Well, the way it's going for Manchester United at the moment, there's every chance that that quote about knocking Liverpool off their perch might well come back to haunt Manchester United fans. The man, of course, who is at the helm of Liverpool is Jurgen Klopp. And many people are pointing the finger at him when it comes to this amazing success they've had, not just this season, but previously as well. 
It's probably beyond dispute now that he's the best manager of the club in the Premier League era. But where does he rank for you among the all-time greats? You know, the Bill Shankleys, Bob Paisleys, Kenny Dalglish, those sort of guys. I think he ranks alongside Shankly. He has created the family. The modern Liverpool fan base family is based around Jurgen Klopp, no doubt. The way that he, you know, winds the crowd up, the way that he he talks to us and tells us what he wants, very Shankly-esque. Paisley, I think, still ranks higher because he's just won more titles. So it's not ranking as high yet as the, the great 80 side, but it's on a par or it's getting close. And the season's not quite finished yet, but I, I feel I have to ask, where do you see the club going from here? Because this season has been nigh on perfect and could still yet be. How do you build from here on, say next season? Regenerate, rego. I mean, when you think that Mane is 30, Bobby Firmino is 30, 31, and similar with Salah, it wouldn't be a shock to see Salah go wouldn't be a shock at all you know in the past it would have been like oh my god you know Fernando Torres has gone or Suarez has gone that's it we're over now we'd be like okay we'll take 120 million for Salah you know PSG you're welcome and we would reinvent ourselves we would buy another player of a similar nature to Diaz 30 or 40 million there you go there you go I think we have got some challenges I mean that the, the best thing this season was Klopp signing on for another two more years so 2026, um, which means that he will regenerate this whole team. And so Henderson, Milner, uh, Thiago, um, as I said, the front three, that's, you know, probably five, six players will have to be replaced. And I'm sure that they've already got them lined up. I'm pretty sure they know who they want. Well, we'll just have to watch this space, won't we, going into that last game of the Premier League season. Best of luck for that. And of course, the Champions League final. I'm sure we'll catch up with you again before then. Yeah, you will. You'll never walk alone. <laughs> That's Sam Sutty there, the big boss here at River Radio, giving us giving us his thoughts on Liverpool season and the uh, the upcoming potential of trophies as well. Even if I did disagree with anything he said, I couldn't say so because I'd almost definitely get the sack as well. So, uh, but very very big thanks to Sam for joining us. I'll be honest. Us, I'll be honest. I didn't actually know you worked here. No, no. No, no. I, 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 the thing is, you've uh, you've been here every time I've come in. I've not had the heart yeah. to ask you to leave. That's all that's happened. I didn't know you were on the. Uh, I mean, talk, on the we spoke about injuries earlier. My back's hurt from carrying this teammate. So, um, <laughs> uh, very, very interesting from Sam, nonetheless. I digress. Um, it was very interesting to hear the Liverpool perspective there, wasn't it? I mean, I'll come to you first. Ed. How do you rate their chances this weekend? It's, it's probably not going to happen, but the idea that it could. Is, is enough to get anyone excited, isn't it? You can only put yourself in with a chance and that's exactly what they've done. I, I subscribe to, to what Jurgen Klopp said, which is that it's improbable but not impossible mm. and they can only hold their end up and, and win the game that's in front of them, which is, of course, Wolves. At that point, they are reliant on Manchester City to, to slip up, but by no way, shape or means, could you say, if they weren't to win it, that this has been a bad season for Liverpool, even if they lost to Wolves. You know, to finish second in the league behind this Manchester City team, there's no shame in that. They've got both domestic trophies in terms of the Carabao Cup, the FA Cup, and they're in the Champions League final against Real Madrid. It's been a tremendous season. They've played in every game they could possibly have played in. It is phenomenal. Um, but yeah, slim Manchester City 
at home to Aston Villa. I, I honestly don't don't see them slipping up there. But stranger things have happened. They have. I mean, the the only thing is like we, we all have a story in football, don't we? And the the obvious overarching thing is that Stephen Gerrard could finally win the league for Liverpool, <laughs> inadvertently <laughs> as the Aston Villa manager. Isn't it? I mean, is it, do, do you think that's worth factoring in at all? That there will be an added element of of both Gerrard and Philippe Coutinho, who on his day must be one of the better midfielders in the world. Do you think there's anything in that? Uh, I'm not too sure. Ed's looking at me like he agrees. I I, th- I just think when you compare. City at home against a Villa side with aside from the Gerrard and Coutinho thing nothing to play for the mid-table they're not going anywhere their season's done half their players are probably on the beach already let's be honest they probably had their feet up this week I just I just look at those two games and you, you think Manchester City at home in a game where they already know they're in the, they've got the advantage I can't see them slipping up I really can't I don't see how Villa can beat them I really, I just, I'm looking at that game. I'm seeing the way that Villa play, the way that City play, and, and looking at previous fixtures in the past with the two teams. I, I don't see it. I really don't. I'd love, I'd love there to be some drama. You know, like when we had the QPR game there. But I, I just don't see it. I, I agree with you. I don't see it, and I don't think there's a relevance around the Gerrard and, and Coutinho. <laughs> no, I won't ask it again. Until, all right. <laughs> but until something happens with that, I think in the build-up, no, it's not relevant at all. Until maybe Coutinho scores the opening goal, when it suddenly becomes completely and relevant. And, City win seven and, and we all yeah. and we all love it. I, I mean, I'll, I'll try and put maybe a more positive spin on on watching the fixture, just for the sake of argument, and and that is to say that Steven Gerrard has been very very vocal about not being happy quite a few times about some of the performances that his players have put in and has made it very clear he is quite willing to make this squad his own in his first summer transfer window so I would not be surprised if a fair few of those players are, are potentially playing for their futures and from I mean I saw an interview with, with Emmy Martinez an extended interview where he talked about Steven Gerrard and he was talking about his impact and he likened it in terms of his presence to an Arsene Wenger when he walks mm. in the building you know Stevie's here mm. and he's going to be a great great manager and I think they will want to be part of that journey with Stevie the pulling power he's got in terms of bringing in players like Luca Digna, French international from Everton, baffling that he was sold. We'll get to Everton, I'm sure. Yeah. Bringing in Philippe Coutinho, talk potentially about Luis Suarez coming in. You know, I think that that you would want to be part of that Villa project. Is it unlikely they can win at Manchester City? Of course it is, but I'd like to think they would at least go and, and try and put on a bit of a show because, as I say, some of them will be playing for their futures. I'm I, sure. I, I know some of it can be attributed to the new manager bounce earlier in the season as well, but they did give City a very tough game at Villa Park, didn't they? Where they, they, did. were, they were ultimately very unlucky to lose that one. But I suppose, I suppose it is under slightly different circumstances. But uh, but you know, last time I asked for you two for imagination anyway, so we'll, <laughs> we'll leave that one there. But no, I mean, you, you just never know what can happen on the final day. Let's say theoretically, it is somewhere that Manchester City slip up. Do you think that that Mares miss against West Ham? How much of an impact do you think that could have? Could it? Could it? Could they live to rue that one? Do you think? Yeah, but there's moments over the course of the season for both sides, isn't there? Where Liverpool have got a late goal, and you think that could really help us at the end of the season. Or City have got a late goal, and think that's the reason we're going to win the City, title. City. Are Arsenal City yeah. not yeah. scoring at Palace. There's there's plenty of those. I, I agree with Ben on that one. I, I just think you, you look at the season. You can never just pin just pipe down. Will yeah. yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you guys want to just carry on? Well, okay, basically, well, Will, the plan on the show tonight is me and, me and Ed to disagree with everything you yeah, say. Okay. So if, right. you, if you bring up a point, we'll just disagree with so it. So I'll, I'll start with Sunderland going up there. Bit, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I, I do see what you're saying in terms of that sort of thing. I just sort of think it's... I, 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 a lot of things people would have said wouldn't happen. I said Bayern Munich could go through to the Champions League quarterfinals and it didn't happen. So let, you never know in football. That's the beauty of it, do you? Um, we, we did just touch on it there, but I mean, I'll, I'll come to you on this as well, Ben. How much of an accomplishment is it for Liverpool to have played every single game this season and still being with you know 
forget how small a chance of winning the Premier League on the final day as well as all the other competitions they're in. Yeah, it's been an incredible achievement. When we spoke about this sort of in January time, we, when we said there is a chance of the quadruple, I mean, I personally didn't think they'd still be in all four come this stage of the season. It's, it's been incredible from, from Jürgen Klopp's side. They seem to have found their form again. I felt last year they looked like maybe a team on the decline. Some of the players have maybe passed their best, but they've replaced them. I mean, look at the likes of Jota and Lewis Diaz that have come in. Mm. The squad looks refreshed. And, and I have to say, e- even if Liverpool end up with somehow just one trophy at the end of the season, it shouldn't be... It'll be two now, won't it? Uh, it will be two, yeah. yeah. It shouldn't be just forgotten as, oh, they only won the two cups. Mm. They, they should still go down, like they did when they finished second on, was it 98 points, 99 points? 98. You just hope they don't get forgotten as a great team, if, even if they don't end up with necessarily as much silverware as they should have. Well, I mean, I, I think it's fair to say, you'll probably agree, there's not, there's, there probably won't be a team that goes this close to winning a quadruple without actually doing it again, will it? It seems, yeah, I mean, it, it seems so improbable to, to ever be able to do it. Like, no one's ever replicated the invincible season mm. since Arsenal did it. It is that kind of standout achievement. And, yeah, I mean, I certainly think it is remarkable that they have managed to play every game this season. I mean, in essence, they're, I mean, they're in the final of the Champions League, but they're almost, if you like, in, in what you would call the Premier League final, because it's right down to the final day, you know, and you can't, you can't get closer than being in the mix on the final day, realistically, apart from actually going and winning it, realistically. So, yeah, I mean, it's been, it's been an amazing... Amazing season, Jurgen Klopp, and what he's done with that team, particularly from where he's taken them when he first got there. And of course, they did have some some spells under him as well, mm. where it wasn't a given. They were a great team to watch, but they could go and win five nil or, or lose three nil to a team near the bottom of the league the next week. It was topsy turvy, and and you know the way that he has shaped this team, you know, and you heard Sam say it there. He, he equates him now with with like a modern day Bill Shankly in terms well, of how he how he set himself, and and that is a big big name. He, but he has won everything. There is to win there now, hasn't he? Which is which is the big thing. I did work out, did do some maps as well. There is a way it can go to a playoff game, which I, I love this shout. I've you seen know, this. Villa win six nil at City easily could happen. Still, still with you so far, yeah. yeah. And uh, Liverpool draw five all with Wolves, and it could happen. Go to a playoff game. You never know. You well, never know. If you check with the bookies, what the odds are? You get forty thousand and four hundred to one. So. Wow. Please do gamble responsibly. <laughs> I'm not sure you needed yeah. to yeah. say that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, some I, things I, are I wonder better. how many people are going to put that bet on. Yeah. Just yeah. throw back a five yeah, on there. A few years back, if you'd have said someone's bet on Leicester to win the yeah. Premier League. <laughs> That's a very good point. Anyway, I, now we've mentioned bet four times, I will say please gamble responsibly <laughs> if you are going to. Um, I mean, this is the beauty of football, though. You do never know um, what's going to happen. And we could be staring down the barrel of another Guerrero moment, just not with a Guerrero, obviously. Obviously, uh, the one thing that is certain though is that both teams will be playing in the Champions League next season. It doesn't look like we'll be, we'll be able to say the same about Arsenal, though, does it? No, no, it does not. Very, very uh, unfortunate what's happened to them. But it is of their own making. They were five points clear at, at one time. But these last two games where the pressure has really, really been on, they've been like a rabbit in the headlights. I mean, the way they played against Newcastle particularly was hugely disappointing. And we've all seen the Granite Xhaka quotes saying, if we play like that, perform like that, don't deserve to be in the Champions League. But what I found very telling was that he made it very clear Arteta, Arteta had, had basically given them a completely different game plan. Completely different and 
they had just gone out and almost done their own thing completely disjointed so ultimately you know for Granit Xhaka to say that who I think you know Gary Neville said he's been a disgrace at times yeah, so for yeah, him to come has. out and say that is you know is unreasonable at the same time I thought it was telling because the last thing he did was stick the knife into to Arteta and the tactics it was very much aimed at the team and his teammates as a whole yeah. so yeah uh, I, I mean they'll be kicking themselves they yeah I mean and it, it, I mean like that Spurs game as well going back to that obviously we couldn't talk about that last week but the fact that Spurs you know it was it was just comprehensive and, and class classy by Conte wasn't it at the end of the day and it's it's Games like that where, do you, do you, Ben, do you sort of think it's a case of a lack of experience showing from these young players when, when pushers come to shove? Yeah, it, it, let's, let's not forget, it's been a difficult last few games, hasn't it, for Arsenal? They were, they were four points out of Spurs two games ago. It looked like it was theirs for the taking. We said oh, this had been the best Arsenal I mean, team even, we've seen. The, the thing is, even if they, they could have still afforded to have lost to Spurs, if they'd still gone was, and done the job on, on Monday night. Yeah, but we also spoke a few weeks ago and we, we, we did say that Newcastle game is, a, is going to be a very hard game. Mm. And, and you see the way Newcastle are playing at the moment next season they're going to be a force to be reckoned with by the way um, but I just think ultimately having the youngest squad in the league has probably cost them in the end the lack of experience I know Jacques has come out and said that people need to stand up but he's been guilty of not doing that himself in the past I mean, this, this is a man who obviously was famously booed off the pitch and, and cut his and, ears and rightly he? so, so yeah. and I, I'm impressed I'm, I'm sort of amazed that he's still at the club for me he's been one of the, the biggest issues with Arsenal over the past mm. few years Lacazette seems to have gone missing in games they do lack leaders but you know they finished if they finish fifth with a chance to maybe invest in the summer I, I think if you're an Arsenal you have to cut your losses and I think okay we're back in the mix well, this is the thing isn't it? they probably would have taken fifth at the start of the season a lot of the pundits yeah. had them seventh or eighth around that sort of mark so they probably would have taken that at the start of the season but do you think does it halt their progress at all Ed in the sense that the, a lot of the plans maybe especially with, with a few games to go might have been to build a squad <coughs> around the Champions League and, and bring players in to, to complement this, this wealth of such young talent that they've got and suddenly you're in the Europa League and you've not really got much more pulling power than a West Ham, for example. Yes, yes, it does. And, and I think perhaps it's not quite been established yet because time will tell. But I think potentially this could set them back two, three years. Wow. I genuinely believe that. Mm. And the reason for that is you have to look at the teams around them. Newcastle are going to be competing with them for Europe next year with the money that they're likely to spend and, mm -hmm. the, and the upward mobility that, that they've got now with, with Eddie Howe, for example. West Ham aren't going to go away with David Moyes. They're still going to be a good side. Wolves are kind of on the up as well. You've then got the teams that are going to finish above them, Spurs and Chelsea, and obviously you know your City and, and, and Liverpool as well. Um, you know You can't rely on United being as bad as they are this season necessarily just, just touch on Newcastle they could well be up there in the next couple of years exactly that so you know this was a bit of a free hit for Arsenal they're going to have the Europa League next season which is as much a curse as a blessing for, for teams if you don't win it to be totally honest well, with they you. have to win that don't they to make it worthwhile and, and I think yeah I think this was a real real blow and this thing about you know kind of young players and everything I get that but at the same time it's, it's how you mould those young players and, and there have been plenty of times where they've really come up trumps they really have but if you look at the great United team where they would win nothing with kids of course they actually did mm. they did it but you look at those those lineups, and there's often four, five, six big, strong leaders been yeah. there, done it. If you look at the players who are meant to be leading the team at Arsenal, the players who have theoretically been there and done it before, Granit Xhaka, who, as we've said, has has been as much of a liability as he has an asset, and, yeah. and arguably more over the time he's been with the club. Lacazette has has done okay, I think, but he's not someone you can hang your hat on, and, and he's you know not he doesn't score. He masses of goals. I don't he think puts he'll be leading himself, the line next season. He puts himself about 
odds are he's probably going to be leaving. You know, those those that's where you're struggling. Those leaders aren't there. And I think what Arteta could have done had they qualified for the Champions League was maybe tempt one or two players who perhaps are a little bit older, a bit more experienced. Take take someone like Chelsea, someone like Thiago Silva, yeah. for example. Look at what he's 37. Look at what he's done and look at how important he has been to that Chelsea yeah. side, which is phenomenal. You know, arguably they can go and get in one or two more of those leaders. And I think, yeah, this is a, a big, big problem for them to have not qualified for the Champions League and it will have effect for a, a long time to come. I think we're going to see if the club have learned from their mistakes, to be honest. I remember Arsenal having an incredibly young side just over 10 years ago when the likes of Cesc Fabregas was coming into his prime. You had Van Persie. Yeah. And at the time then, people said, it's a great team, but they need leaders. They need people. That, you know, I remember the defence was all over the shop. We're kind of in a similar bit now, aren't we, mm. where there's a lot of promising players. There seems The club seems to be going in the right direction, but can they go to that next level and actually win some trophies and not just a couple of FA Cups, by the way? big trophies, Premier League, Premier League Champions, Champions League. League, can they actually take the next step and become a force in Europe again? One thing I will say about Granit Xhaka is that Arteta has not been backward when it comes to getting people out of the club, most notably Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, but Gwendouzi went as well, Torreira mm-hmm. went, um, this guy Saliba, the, the defender, has, has not kind of been around and, and will probably League come one back defender in now. Of the year, yeah. Exactly, mm-hmm. so, you know, and that's that's something that he can come back in with and perhaps Arteta will be using him a bit more. Uh, it, clearly he's seen something in Granit Xhaka, um, I don't necessarily see it. I don't find him a game changer, but um, well, he changes the game and it will get sent off in cross discussion. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's I suppose. But um, but look, I mean, in that regard, I guess we have to we have to trust him in what Arteta's been doing. At the end of the day, you're right; they would have taken fifth at the start of the season. But there is always, in my opinion, you've got to adjust your expectations depending on where you are. And they had it in their own hands to qualify for the Champions League, and they have messed this up. Yeah, I mean, just just quickly before we move on from this as well, I, 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 as much as I do love sticking the boot in an Arsenal, which for some reason reason I do it's worth giving a pat on the back to Spurs as well isn't it because the job Antonio Conte's done there has been absolutely amazing hasn't it and and the fact that they're going to probably have Champions League football next season what about their pulling power with players like Son and Kane there Kane looks like he'll be happy to stay under Conte Conte's big thing was getting in the Champions League to stay so he'll probably be there Kuklaveski if I can pronounce his name right yeah that's what I said yeah Um, (laughs) he'll be he'll be fantastic next season he's been superb since he's been brought in I mean are we looking at a Spurs team that could be returning as a bit of a force as well do you think I think they they would certainly be a challenge because any team managed by Antonio Conte is a challenge. I think it will depend on who they bring in because I think they've they've kind of got over the line in spite of some of the players that they're having to play because the squad depth relative to to some of their competitors for those Champions League places and and to get into the the conversation when it comes to even being in with the chance that we all spoke about Chelsea being part of the Premier League title race. That's not been the case for quite Mm. some time, but they were in the conversation for, for a good few months. To be at that level, I think they do need recruitments but if you've got Son and you've got Kane and they're buying into the Conte project and you keep Kulisevsky and you give Conte the money to refresh and bring in some of the players he wants I think I mean first and foremost he's done a phenomenal job um, getting since getting that getting that managerial role and I think he can see can consider himself quite unlucky to, to not be listed among the, the managers of the season. Mm. Um, everyone who's who's there is there on merit in their own way, and I think Conte would have would have certainly been part of the conversation. Um, but ultimately, we, we said this a couple of weeks ago. It will depend, in my opinion, on the tune to which he is backed. Because if Conte feels like he's being sold short after what he's done, I wouldn't be surprised because he's only got an eighteen month contract. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised for him to kind of go, "No, nah, I'm, I'm okay. I'm going to go." 
Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, it does look as if Spurs are nailed on for their place in the Champions League, doesn't it? Just a point needed to qualify, but stranger things have happened and Spurs are Spurs at the end of the day, I suppose, aren't they? Um, <laughs> somehow there are still results elsewhere in the Premier League on the final day that will matter as well as the bottom, as the race um, down the bottom of the table hots up hugely as well. Leeds, who seemed safe just a few weeks ago, are now in real danger of the drop and their fate remains out of their own hands with both Everton and Burnley playing tomorrow evening. I caught up with Kevin Markey from Leeds United Mad earlier today and just that on just that and how he felt going into this massively important weekend which is a bit dangerous at times but uh, obviously it's going to be Aston Villa's final home game of the season against uh, Burnley so hopefully they'll put in a performance they just beat them very recently away from home as well which obviously doesn't count for much in, in this uh, situation but hopefully that will go into that game as well and obviously um, I think Palace have beaten Everton three times already this season in various guises in the league and in the cup so hopefully they'll make it four times but uh, obviously like like I say it's going to be I believe it's Everton's final home game as well so obviously it's possibly the last a chance they've got really to make sure they get three points because they've got a tough game against uh, Arsenal on the Sunday because Arsenal obviously won the points for different reasons and obviously Burnley have got um, Newcastle who played really well against uh, Arsenal the other night so you're hoping they'll play really well on uh, Sunday as well against Burnley so like you say you're just relying on other teams because there's no sort of guarantee that well, obviously we're going to get a result at Brentford, who are playing very well at the moment as well, and they'll want to finish the season on the high. So you could go into the last game actually not winning anything, but hoping Burnley uh, maybe just lose the last two games and you've done it. But uh, there's so many different scenarios, you know, it sort of uh, gives you a bit of an edit thinking what could possibly happen. So you're just hoping that the football gods are on your side, I suppose. You are, mate. It's given me a headache just to think about it, actually, if I'm being completely <laughs> honest with you. It really is. I mean, like you said, obviously, you travelled to Brentford on the final day. Um, you know, a, a winnable game, ultimately. It's not like you're going away yeah. to Arsenal like Everton are. Um, do, do you, do you, you, is it all just sort of resting on that? How do you see that one going? Do you think, obviously, Thomas Frank has said he's going to field yeah. the strongest team, but how, how do you see that going from your perspective? Do you think it's one that ultimately is winnable and that you should win? Yeah, I mean, it's winnable. Um but you know, and obviously it's our last chance to sort of uh, guarantee maybe that to, to stay up. So hopefully the team will be really up for it on the final day. Like you say, Thomas Frank has said he's going to play the strongest team possible. Uh, obviously we've got Pontus Janssen on their side as well, who's an old friend of the club. But I don't think he'll be doing any, any favours on Sunday. So it's all down to us to try and get a result and hopefully. Um, you're just hoping that the other results go our way at the same time. So yeah, all we got, all we can do really is look after ourselves and make sure we we get the win and just hope everything else goes our way. But uh, if we don't win Sunday and nothing does go our way, then we can't really uh, blame anybody else but ourselves. Yeah, I suppose that's sort of, sort of been almost the story of the season, hasn't it? A little bit, whereby yeah. you know you, you looked safe, but it but it all sort of unravelled a little bit, didn't it? I mean, what, what do you foresee? After do you, do you think the gods will be on your side? Do you think you'll have enough to stay up, or or are you just completely not sure and and leaving it in the hands of the footballing gods, like you say? Yeah, I mean, uh, the only saving grace, I suppose, is that Aston Villa 
like I, like I said before, I did beat Burnley quite convincingly away from home, and with it being their final home game, I think they'll get a result, a decent result against them on a Thursday as well. And same with Palace. I think Palace are a lot better team than Everton this season. So um, the way Vieira side's been playing all season, I can see them getting a result as well. But I think it's ideally, I think it's between us and Burnley for that final position. I think Everton maybe are in a stronger position to get a result. So I think it's down to us. And um, what I'm hoping for is um, Burnley will lose the last two. It doesn't really matter what we do on the Sunday. But uh, like you say, it's it's down to um, the footballing odds again. And you can't really... I wouldn't make a bet on any results, really, because... I think you'd lose your money, whatever you did. So you're just praying that something goes our way. You certainly are, mate. Well, I certainly have everything crossed for you this weekend and wish you the very, very best of luck, mate. Um, It's been a pleasure talking to you. Really appreciate it. Yeah, thanks for that. That's Kevin Markey there from Leeds United Mad, giving us his insight into see how into how he sees things panning out. Uh, a really big few days down the bottom coming up, then lads. We'll start with Leeds. I mean, where's it all gone wrong? Is it Bielsa that have Bielsa the problem? That you're sacking him? Were they wrong <laughs> to do that? This, well, you've been Bielsa's biggest critic. Oh, mate, I'm just saying that. Look, look at it. I'm, no, I'm just here to to ask the questions, mate. Don't <laughs> don't draw me into your discussion. I, I, I think Bielsa. The problem with Bielsa was he, I mean, he's he didn't have it. Let's, let's yeah, have it but, right, but. and he, he didn't have a, a different way of playing. You can also look at the squad and say it's not good enough. Did Bielsa build that squad? Yes, but that squad also got them into where they were. Mm. I, I think Leeds are where they should be. If you look at their team, that at them, I don't see a lot of quality in that team. I don't really see many game changers. I know you've got Rafinha, but since since Jesse Marsh has come in, he's he seems to have taken a little step, uh, taken yeah. a step step out. So. Obviously, Bamford not being there for the majority of the season has massively affected them as mm. well. But really, if you look at that starting eleven, I think Leeds are where they should be. Well, we, obviously, we, we said a couple of weeks ago, we went to see Palace against Leeds. And mm. like I said, I went over to Ed about halfway, about halfway into the first half and said, this is just such an average Leeds team, mm. isn't it? And you looked at it player for player, other than your sort of Calvin Phillips and your Rafinhas. And there's just no, like you said, players there that, that, could, that could change the game. And it, it looked... In, with the most respect in the world like a championship side other than that yeah and I think that therein lies the thing doesn't it I think that's why you have to appreciate what Bielsa did to get them where they were to begin with because he did get a team that was really really average I mean you've said that to me and, and I said apart from Calvin Phillips and Rafinha I don't think I'd want a single one of those starting players above who is starting in the Crystal Palace team tonight yeah. and I stand by that I really do but to get that team to do what they did getting out of the championship for Leeds was difficult because I think Leeds was always seen as a bit of a scout for a lot of people and, and a lot of people wallowed in enjoying their misery as it were so to get yeah. them out of the championship was something that a lot of people hadn't done and then what they did in the Premier League in the first season, albeit without fans, um, was was quite impressive. I think fans coming back in, Ellen Road's a very demanding place to play, mm. and it is it is difficult. It can be hostile. That you know there is an expectation there, just like Goodison Park. There's an expectation as to what they expect from their teams at Leeds United, and and if you fall short of that, I think it can be very difficult. I think Bielsa is a great coach. That much is clear. But I think when you're a manager, you need to manage your resources. Yeah. And where it fell flat for me was. Consistently, when the injury problems came in, and let's be fair, they've had some really, really bad injuries to, to key key players. And when you're a side that is on the periphery of staying up or not, that's always going to be a problem. But I do think that ultimately they they fell short because they started to put players in there who couldn't play that system and kept playing a system that ultimately saw them concede 
what was it, 28 goals in a 28-day well, month? Yeah, the most goals whatever. in any Premier League month in the shortest month of the year, which exactly. is just incredible. It, I mean, it, I thought, was, was, it, was it you said you were at the Tottenham game and you, their, their refusal to alter how they were playing despite being completely overrun was it just... Was, it was baffling. I mean, the first goal winning, you thought, right, OK, got to do something here. Second one winning, and it was just more of the same. Well, there was, and there and was progressively, refusal, there, there was less and less hope. That, that they were going to get anything out of the game. It wasn't like you thought, okay, but they might get the next one. It just they never looked like scoring either. Yeah, and I think therein lies the problem, doesn't it? I mean, it's it's in Burnsley, Burnley's. Oh, I keep doing this Burnsley. Burnsley. This happens. This, Burnsley. I don't know why this keeps happening. Is that if Barnsley and Burnley Burnsley. do but, merge? My, well, I think Barn, I think Barnsley would take that deal, wouldn't they? <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, they beat. It's in their hands, um, and you know if things go to plan with Everton and they win, there, of course, safe safe tomorrow night. How much of a blow is it for Leeds? You think, and how hard will it be to sit and just watch this all unfold before their eyes without, without anything to do before Sunday? Yeah, it's not easy when when, when it's not in your hands. It, it's it's horrible to watch as a fan, and it was actually interesting what Ed said about the the Leeds crowd. I've just looked at the stats from. Home points gained over the last two seasons. These are 18th this year with only 18 points at home. The same games played last year, they, they must have 29. So there's a clear, there's been a clear difference there. Three or four wins better off last year at mm. home. I, I just think Leeds have really done what I expected them to do when Bielsa was sacked. These players, you have to understand, they, they've bought into what Marcelo Bielsa has done over the last three or four years. It can't be easy for them. Just like we saw when Chris Wilder left Sheffield United, things didn't really get much better because the players have bought into what that manager's done. Even Sean Dyche, I'm, I'm impressed by Burnley because they seem, even though they weren't expecting Dyche to go, to have improved. In, in I, fairness, I, wasn't I, I don't think Burnley's, pro- the Mike Jackson and, and Ben Mee project mm. is, is worlds apart from what Sean Dyche's project was, to be completely honest with you. But I don't no, think Jesse Marshes is miles apart from no yeah, point, else, yeah. isn't he? he was seen as that he was meant to be taking over in the summer and was seen as the natural Success, progression. If you, yeah. if you think back to the old Swansea teams, you know, when you had Brendan Rodgers, then Michael Ladrick came in, they were, they were constantly trying to bring someone in who would keep the philosophy. The Southampton as well, like Pochettino would, and Cumin and all that you know, sort they of stuff. Would, yeah. But ultimately, you can't go and make a whole wholesale change and get someone who wants to play long ball after you've built a passing team because that that really won't work um but yeah it, the Burnley the thing that I've noticed that's different about Burnley is the numbers they're committing forward mm, you know yeah. you will see four or five players committed forward and they're playing with a little bit more freedom and against the two teams they've got coming up against Newcastle and particularly Aston Villa who have been a little bit up and down I think they may well find they get some joy out of that because they are quite solid defensively I mean Nick Pope was tremendous against Tottenham yeah, and brilliant. was so unlucky to be on the losing side ultimately and I thought that was quite a soft penalty I'm not saying it doesn't hit his arm I'd be very disappointed if that was given against my team and I'd feel very fortunate if it was given for yeah, my team I, I have saying. to say um, but yeah I think against Aston Villa potentially for me that's the big one because Newcastle the way they're playing you know are, are maybe a little bit of a different beast but they are at home on that final day of the season if I had to if I had to pick two games for Burnley you know I think I might have a I might have a chance with those yeah yeah I think I think that's that's a, the sort of saving grace for them isn't it I mean Everton really are just one win away so I think they are looking I mean, we've said this all season long, haven't we? But they're certainly looking like they're in a position to start. Do you think they're going to be OK, Ben Everton? I think if you had to pick one out of the three that you'd be most confident of, it probably is Everton. Um, and now they're going to an Arsenal side that still have a have a shout of the top four. But Everton know that a win for them seals the deal. So, you know, I expect Everton to turn up trying to get the win. I mean, if they beat Palace 
on you know tomorrow night, then it's it's curtains, yeah, it, it, it so. could be, but you know, I know Ed's going to sit there and say, well, my man's Palace, and you know, <laughs> a Palace will probably get the three points. Uh, I, I think we'll get a draw. We've drawn fifteen yeah. other games this season. It seems <laughs> it seems likely, but that Goodison Park crowd when yeah. they get behind Everton, I mean, well, I they were slightly unlucky been, against against Brentford as well, weren't they? You I know? don't think that was bad luck. Do you not think? No, no, I don't. I, I think they were poor in in areas. See, I, no, I, think, see, I, I, I disagree. I thought but, they I thought they they were strong in areas. I think the second red card's very harsh. But but don't you think that? I mean. To be honest, for me, they're both red cards. Rondon's is a terrible tackle. It's an absolutely terrible tackle. If you were watching Torquay and you saw one of the Torquay players get fouled like that on a replay, you'd be calling for a red card. But, but I think there's, I think there's a difference in in the description when you're having to rewatch and do all that sort of stuff. Then I, for me, it just gets a little bit silly. And I, I just think, I mean, there's no, there's no, not much arguing the first red. Obviously, he's, you know, it's cleared and I'll of a goal scoring opportunity but the, the second one's unfortunate I, I just think that I, 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 it's something I, I think with Everton though, I just think their luck's been out all season really they've been poor in a lot of patches but there have been games but, that have swung against but, them but don't you think you, you create your own luck don't you to an and, extent but I think Everton have been really hard and, done and let's, by I mean one thing I would say is that Son of got sent off in the 88th minute I mean the damage was done at, at that point they led twice and they failed to, to manage the game sufficiently to to you know, see that through and I mean, lost three looked, two. Uh, and they were three two down for twenty six minutes. A couple of the goals though. I mean I know a goal is a goal. It's unfor- the, yeah, it's but unfortunate. they're unfortunate. You know, it's not like they've been played off the park man for man the whole no, game. No, they haven't, but you know, it's when you're in those sort of positions and it sounds really, really harsh, but we're talking about the top level of football, not just in this country, but basically across Europe in terms of a league. If you can't hold on to a lead against Brentford, let's be clear, Brentford came up last season twice at home at Goodison Park where everyone is willing you on that's a very difficult place to play as an away team then you will pay the price I know what you're saying but I, I do just think like I said those goals are just it's, it, there was a lot of factors in there which I just think ultimately made made them not the most fortunate they, they, they weren't very fortunate come the end of the game that's what I'm trying to say and I don't think it was necessarily a fair reflection on, on how they played however obviously you, we've just mentioned Brentford and how good that's where Leeds have to go on the final day but so, sort of kind of looks the easiest game out of the three doesn't it? It does and yet it kind of doesn't at the same mm. time because Christian Eriksen's changed the game at Brentford for yeah, me really and has, I think yeah. everything game was just goes yeah. through him I was at the Chelsea game He and oh, he was absolutely phenomenal I fear for Leeds most uh, mm. most of all, yeah. uh, and I know I've said that you know for me there is a certain if Everton were to go down there's a certain poetic justice in that because you can't run a team that badly for, for that, that long, long, yeah, and, and I agree not, with that, and yeah. not get your comeuppance. And yeah, I do think that Burnley might well be able to get something against Villa because there's a a big team ethic and a team spirit there. I mean, and I think Leeds, have, I mean, were it not for that last minute equaliser against Brighton, they would still be in the in the bottom three. So, uh, when it could all be over pretty much by Friday afternoon, <laughs> I could see I could see. Brentford doing a number on Leeds so I'm going to say that Leeds will be the team that goes there's also a lot of recent history of those two sides I remember seeing them in the championship battle Pontus out Janssen, you Pontus Janssen. Mentioned, yeah. I think if I was Leeds I'd actually be looking at Brentford and think we've got a chance here I really do mm. it's a tough place to go yes but out of anyone else in the Premier League for your last game who would you rather play it? Norwich. Team that's yeah. Norwich yes <laughs> lucky yes. Tottenham <laughs> do, we, do we count Norwich as a Premier League side <laughs> but I, I just think Brentford did we ever yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if you compare them to what they'll still win the championship next season no, 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 yeah. probably yeah straight back with Watford yeah. but if, if you compare them to, to what the other teams have got I think Leeds would take that 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think you're probably right. It's, it's going to make for fascinating viewing whatever happens, I think, come the end of the season. Um, just one thing before we before we round up over to the local stuff. I did just want to mention as well, of course, the Europa League final this evening. Rangers take on Frankfurt very, very quickly, fellas. How do you see that one going? I think Frankfurt will win it, but to, to even get to the final for Rangers is a phenomenal achievement. But this Frankfurt side are, are not to be underestimated. You know, beat Barcelona, knock them out. I, I, you know, they beat West Ham as well. Good Premier League side. I, I, mean, I think Rangers will probably come up short, but I think they can be very proud of it, what they've done. It says season. it all in the Europa League quarterfinal. That I think it was um, it was Leon West Ham. They were all saying we've booked our flights to Barcelona because they were presuming that they'd be playing Barcelona in a semi final, and that I, wasn't the case. Was well, it? It's funny you say that. I have, I have a friend who's a big West Ham fan who actually did that. I did that. Uh, and at <laughs> half time, he, he sent me a, a picture of him cancelling his flight. <laughs> <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. I mean, how do you see that? Do, do you think it'll be Frankfurt, Ben? I think Rangers are going to do it. I, I think it's their year. I think they've taken a hundred thousand fans over to Seville incredible incredible support no they don't all have tickets (laughs) but incredible support I think there's a lot of quality in the Rangers side yes okay they're up against a difficult team and you probably wouldn't have Rangers the favourite but on a one-off game they've got enough quality in their side to win so I'm going to go Rangers 2-1 there we go there we go I I think Rangers just because I want to see a British team do that's all it really is Um, but certainly wish them the best of luck in their game anyway uh, we're going to be turning our attention to who's to see who won of Leeds Burnley or Everton may be facing next season so we turn our attention to the League One playoff final and Wickham Wanderers music was my first love across the Thames Valley this is River Radio I'm I will, sorry, I'm sorry. I will just say an odd choice of sweeper for a show that doesn't play any music. It's that bad, it's that bad fun, isn't it? Yes. Bad fun. Yeah, there you go. It's the I'm old, not having that the old injury. It's the no old injury way. playing up again. No way. Just, a, just Was there like a, still a nerve that's spasming that led you to sort of <laughs> No, listen, that. look, you did it a while back. Now I've done it as well. Um, thank you, Julie Andrews. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if the, we can end the show on thank you, Julie Andrews, can we? <laughs> no, we're not going to end it there. That'd be horrible, of course, to Ben. Um, obviously, welcome back. This is Extra Time with Radio. In case you thought we just started playing the sound of music, uh, which which we very much haven't. We're fast approaching the end of the show, but of course we couldn't finish without paying tribute to all of our constituent clubs um, who still have a game left. A huge game, might I add, as Wickham Wanderers travel to Wembley Stadium on Saturday to face Sunderland in their bid for a ret- immediate return to the Championship. Ed caught up with James Richings for the Bucksby Press. Bucks free press I should say ahead of their clash this weekend and start up by asking him about the health of the squad ahead of the playoff final in terms of the team news Gareth Ainsworth was very tight lips he wouldn't reveal anything um, but fingers crossed though that Brandon Handler and Alice Mimetti do pass their fitness test and they are fit for the showpiece against Sunderland I actually sat next to Mimetti in the first leg win against Milton Keynes on uh, May 5th and he said fingers crossed that he's able to make an appearance so I think it's just a waiting game and speaking to Gareth Bates a few weeks ago he said that the only long-term injury was Curtis Thompson so here's hoping that both Brandon Handler and Alice Bermetti make the cut on Saturday. In terms of the game itself, Sunderland very much viewed as the favourites for this one. The size of the club, its infrastructure, its fan base. They were playing Premier League football not so long ago, of course. But do you think that will almost suit Gareth Ainsworth's men to be considered as underdogs? 
I believe so. Um, Gareth Ainsworth and even Joe Jacobson in today's press have said the same thing. They have this underdog tag that people seem to give them. And I think that it's just down to the sheer size of the club. When you think of Sunderland, you know, they're six times champions of England have won an FA Cup. They were in a League Cup final less than a decade ago playing Premier League football. It's a real David and Goliath battle and that's what Gareth Ainsworth said today. So I do think that that sort of tag will suit looking going into this because Sunderland have got more pressure on them. This is their fourth season consecutively in League One. For Sunderland fans to be in the third tier of English football in their eyes is just ridiculous they should be in the championship at least fighting for a place in the Premier League so for Wickham if they were to go up again then it will be probably eclipse what they did a couple of years ago against Oxford but if they don't go up it's still been a fantastic season to get into the top six with 83 points which is I believe the highest they've ever achieved in the third tier of English football is an incredible achievement well, it certainly is, and they've recently been handed another boost, of course, because Sam Vokes has signed a new deal. Tell us, how big is that for them, knowing that whatever happens on Saturday, win or lose, he will be there next season supplying the goals, be it in League One or the Championship? And I think Gareth Ainsworth, he deserves a lot of credit for that. Sam Vokes, we need to remember, is a Premier League striker. He's played in the Premier League for Wolves, for Burnley. He scored at a European Championship. So for a club like Wickham Wanderers, who are on the verge of going into the non-league back in 2014, to sign a player of that calibre goes to show that they are going places. And he's been a fantastic signing. He's big, he's strong, he can head the ball. He's your classic number nine, your classic centre-forward. In one season at Wickham, he scored 17 goals in 49. And... Gareth Ainsworth has done a fantastic job in getting Sam Vokes into the club and making sure he's going to be there for another year. And there's been more fantastic news, of course, because Wickham have sold 20,000 tickets to the final. That's double the capacity of Adams Park. How much of an achievement is that? It's crazy, isn't it? The fact that 20,000 are just going this Saturday to support Wickham goes to show that the club are on the up. It goes to show that the football has improved in the time. It goes to show that the club have got a real strong connection with the supporters. It goes to show that fans don't want to miss out as they did two years ago. Obviously, no fault of their own due to the restrictions that were in place. And it goes to show that the club are going places. And on the pitch, that's testament to Gareth Ainsworth. And it's also testament to the likes of Robin, Pete Kuig and Missy Kuig as well for really making the club as a brand. And We've seen it. I mean, I think 200 fans are going to be flying over from Spain to watch the game. And just finally, looking at the game, the venue it's in, the opponent it's against, the number of fans that there will be, and of course, what is at stake, a place back in the championship. Is this the biggest game in Wickham's history, do you think? Personally, I would say yes. Simply because, as you said, it's the final where fans are allowed to come and watch. There's a lot riding on it. So I reckon... In a successful sense, yes, it is probably the biggest game in the history. But if you were to ask Gareth Ains of that, he will take you back to May 3rd, 2014, when they played Torquay. Because rumour has it, if Wickham had gone down that day, Wickham may not even be around anymore. It, it was that bad. So I think from a successful point, this is going to be the biggest game. But I think in terms of the club history, I don't think anything will be able to replicate that day down in the southwest when Wickham were literally on their knees one game away from going into the Monday. Well we'll certainly have our fingers crossed here at River Radio. James, thanks so much for your time. Thank you so much, Ed. 
There you go. That's James Richings there from the Bucks Free Press uh, talking through talking us through Wickham's chances in the playoff final. Ben, I know you've been itching to get into this, mate. Let, just just very briefly because we'll, we'll, we've got someone else that we'll be chatting to very shortly. How do you actually see it going? How, how do you see it all unfolding? It's so obvious to say with Wickham, but I think it's whoever gets the first goal. If Wickham get that first goal, I think it's Wickham's final, isn't it? We've seen them do it time and time again where they make it difficult for the opposition. They're hard to break down. They're slow to play go long ball to Vokes and maybe Akinfemo who gets his swan song who knows maybe there's a story for him to write still I think uh, if, I'm not having Akinfemo if you're not letting me have Gerard, I'm not letting him have <laughs> I think if Sunderland get that first goal you could see a repeat of the game in January an incredible game where it's high score and you don't know what's going to happen either end I don't think one team's going to run away with it I don't think it's going to be a one-sided game either way I think it's going to be tense nervy Maybe not the prettiest watch if we can go get a goal ahead, but I won't care if that happens. No. Of the three teams you could have faced in this playoff final, realistically, where would Sunderland have ranked among those three? Probably the least favourite for me. I, I really didn't want to play Sunderland. I, I said, I remember saying to you, Will, that Wednesday was the team that I wanted us to get in the final. We, beat them, yeah. we know we can beat them. We've just done it recently. MK Dons is not really the intimidation factor. And we saw that in that second leg. For as good as MK were... Wickham managed to keep them at bay because there wasn't really that sea of fans trying to get the ball in the net. Sunderland, for me, we've always struggled against Sunderland, whether Wickham have been on top form or not. They always seem to have a style of play that that makes it hard for Wickham to do what they want to do. I, I just think it's that first goal. If Wickham can get the first goal, they'll make it their game. If Sunderland get that one, it's going to be incredibly tough. Do you think the weight of history is a bit of a burden for Sunderland, though? Because obviously they've been to the playoff final before and lost it. I remember they played against Charlton in the Johnson's Bay Trophy final, lost it in the last minute. You know, their track record at Wembley isn't that good, actually. And it's almost as if the, the expectation gets to them because they always bring a lot of fans and they, and they will do again. Yeah, and they've been very vocal about how many fans they're bringing this time. I know they Wickham have given them a some extra allocation um, in the top tier of, of the Wickham end despite the share boys taking a great number of fans I think in, in 22 plus thousand you can say about the, the amount of fans there and the occasion but really when it comes down to it it's whichever team just deals with the situation better when players are on a pitch they're not seeing the sea of fans are they in the stadium these are professional players that play in front of big crowds I think it's whoever gets the team talk right on the day whoever sets up tactically right if Alex Neil can stop Wickham doing what they want to do they could be very successful in the game. If Ainsworth has, like we've seen him do in the past, you know, produced a tactical mastermind for a one-off game, you could see Wickham running away with it. You, you don't know. It's too hard to... I think it's too easy to say that Sunderland will feel the pressure at the moment just because of their, their crowd. Yeah, no, I certainly see what you said. Well, to get the opposition view on the whole thing, though, and see what they think, I caught up with Laura McLeish from the Roker Report to get her take on the game and started by asking her how she saw the game going. I think that it's ours for the taking and I think we will actually, I think we will pip them, I think we'll take it and I think that's a lot to do with fight, I think we've got a lot stronger lads, we we seem to be a lot more organised when we're on the pitch and you know watching games, watching highlights, watching this, that and the other, I think when you really scrutinise it and take it down to the pure detail, Alex Neil seems to have just masterminded a confident group of lads, you know putting in formations that previously hadn't been used but really, really work to get the most out of the lads that we've got on the pitch. And I think, 
you know, the introduction of some new faces, all of which will have been mostly new to Alex Neal other than Bailey Wright, who he'd uh, previously worked with at Preston. But I think, you know, the introduction of new players who were wanting to, to learn, wanting to do more, wanting to get better game time as well, because, you know, previous pr- lads had been on the bench a lot of the time or not getting game time for whatever reason. Um, I think Alex Neal really has sort of brought out the lads that previously maybe hadn't been doing so well and are currently doing fantastically I can't put my faith into these lads 100% enough Um, I really do think it is our turn to return the championship I'm really looking forward to Saturday's game I am incredibly nervous only thing I can think about only thing I've been able to think about since we've beat Sheffield Wednesday Um, but yeah fingers crossed it, it, it is a return the championship for us it was, of course, a Joe Jacobson goal in the 98th minute that stopped you taking all three points from Adams Park earlier this season. Is that a warning sign for this weekend's game, do you think? I don't think it's necessarily something to, to be frightened of, and I don't think it's a warning sign as such. I just think it means that we have to sort of know and be ahead of the game that these things really can happen. But I don't think Alex Neal's going to be naive going into it, and I don't think any of our lads are going to be naive going into it either, that, you know last minute winners can can obviously change the game we just hope and I think uh, well we definitely hope that, that if anyone's going to take all of the, the points or all of the glory in this case and the, the promotion in the 98th minute it's going to be us we are currently locally known as Alex Neal's last minute Mackhams I think most of our goals this season or most of our three point goals this season have come in either the 93rd, 94th, 95th minute. So I don't think that's a, a warning sign as such that they could also score late. I think it just sort of means that we're going to have to be on the front foot. We're going to have to look at, at getting ahead earlier and, and keep getting ahead constantly. Um, I think in a scenario like this, in a match like this, the more goals earlier on, the absolute better. What are your sort of overall thoughts about playing Wickham this weekend and how do you see it going? Incredibly nervous because it's a sort of do or die match. It's either another season in League One or the push for promotion that we actually realistically want. And, you know, I, I'd, I'd say deserve, but I think the, the big club mentality is sort of long gone from us, really. But we, we do still have it. And I think the arrogance that's there sort of earned and, and really helps towards the performances on the pitch. But in terms of actually playing them and, you know, forgetting all the, the sort of the, the badgering we've seen on social media, like their, their chairman saying we're a Netflix team and getting angry that we're constantly wanting more tickets allocated to us at Wembley. I think pushing all that aside, I do think that, you know, it, it is two good League One teams coming up against each other. It is two League One teams who know what they're doing and both don't want to be in this league anymore. So both are going to take all chances that, that possibly come their way. So I think it'll be a very hard 90 minutes if it if it ends around 90 minutes. Um, and I think I think it's ours. And why shouldn't it be ours this season? Why, you know, I think we've we've spent enough time in League One. We've grown through the seasons in League One. We're a completely different team now, completely different mentality now to who we were and who we used to be when we first came down to this league. And I think the promotion now would be 100% earned. 
There you go. That's Lauren McLeish there from the Rogue Report. Some fighting talk there, Ben. What do you make of that, mate? Yeah, I mean, you, you're going to expect it, aren't you, from, from Sunderland fans. They're going to be confident. They're a big club. They shouldn't be in League One. It's, it's their year. We've heard it before. We've heard it in previous seasons, haven't we? <laughs> I, I think Wickham will feel the same way. I feel the same way about Wickham. That, that it's our year. We, we're taking, we're finally getting to watch the club at Wembley again. I, I, like I said to you before. You've been in the Championship more recently than Sunderland. Yeah, Wickham have, have had more recent success. I, I think if you look at both teams as a starting eleven, forget the fact that they're Sunderland, forget the fact that it's Wickham. If you look at both teams, they're just evenly matched sides. Two good, evenly matched League One sides, irrespective of the size of both clubs. I mean, what, what, do you think the fact that Gareth Ainsworth has managed you through a successful sort of promotion playoff campaign, how, how much sort of um, weight does that bear sort of going forward to it? That, that There's a few lads in those dressing rooms that went up with you last time that he, he can almost say, you know, just go and do it again, almost. Yeah, I think it's massive. He's got the experience of obviously losing. And also Alex Neal's only had about sort of 17 games with this team as well. Yeah, they're at different stages, aren't they, of their, of their, their tenure. Ainsworth obviously has the experience of losing one final. He doesn't want to do that again there's players that were there two years ago Bloomfield's in the in the change room still you've got Akin Fenwa Jacobson Stockdale so the list goes on by the way there's so many members of that team we that are that still there <laughs> I think the experience could be the deciding factor if it's a tight game and you need someone to keep a cool head maybe the experience will will play a factor who knows <laughs> It's getting emotional. <laughs> You're a bit nervous. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll just ask you just just before we wrap up, mate. Next time we chat, next Wednesday, will yeah. Wickham be back in the championship? And if so, how's what's the score going to be on Saturday? Well, I've said all along that if Wickham get in the playoffs, they will win the playoffs. I will have to clip stick by this. Clip, clip, it clip, it up. It up, clip it up, and I look like a genius next Wednesday. <laughs> Wickham two one. And I think it's going to be normal sat- time. Normal time. Sam folks at the double. Sam folks at the double. Ed, what do you reckon? Ah, uh, I think, oh wow, this is, you know what, a, a bit like the X Factor, I have to go with my act, um, and <laughs> I will, yeah, I, I think I think Wickham will do it, and I think it'll be a big defensive display, and I'm going to say 1-0. One 1-0, nil. One nil. okay. I'm, I'll stick my, my neck out on the line, and say... Here we go. I think Wickham will do it as well. So, uh, I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be not a minute. So I think there's extra time and there's penalties involved. But um, but you know, and penalties is a lottery. But I always just fancy Wickham in a game like that. I think you're right. They've got that physicality and that and that bit about them that I, I think the. You know, we, we speak about longevity of managers and I think Ainsworth longevity will come to the fore here and, and make all the difference. Uh, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Thank you very much. been great to be back. Obviously, yeah. we'll be here with, a, with an injured paw. Yeah, exactly. Thank you very much, Ben. Really appreciate it. Good no, luck, mate. Yeah, thanks. Hopefully I'm here with smiling on Wednesday. Yeah. You'll be hope. wearing a championship. I don't know how you get the medal, but you'll be wearing it. Uh, <laughs> 